Hi there, and welcome to Consortio Day. My name is John Chandler, and I served in churches and in nonprofit leadership for 25 plus years, and I'm currently training to be a spiritual director uh, with the hopes of developing a practice that is going to serve those in those same kind of roles in churches and other forms of spiritual leadership, using some of my own experience uh, and knowledge of just how difficult those roles can be to walk alongside others who are doing that same kind of work. And Consortio Day is uh, the name of this podcast that is also going to be a companion to my spiritual direction practice. The idea of Consortio Day is that of partnering with God. And those who are in church leadership or nonprofit leadership that is faith-based, they understand that at the center of their work is some kind of partnership with God, both for leading in their organization and for also forming their own soul. And so these will be conversations with leaders in those kind of roles to uh, hear about what practices they have, both personally and professionally, to maintain that connection, that partnership, ultimately to let God be the one who is leading in the work that they do. And it's a complex thing to navigate sometimes, as we'll see in these conversations. So as I thought about my first interview, I just couldn't help but think of Steve Carter would be the ideal person to kick this off. I've known Steve uh, for many years, going back to his first ministry internship And I've just seen him grow both in engagement with his own gifting and as a human, but also just admired, sometimes from a distance and sometimes up close, just the evident humility that he carries himself with um, in spite of just having a voice that has been heard by so many. So I knew he'd be a fantastic person to kick this off with, and I wasn't disappointed in this conversation. Uh, One little note here, a a little bit of an auspicious beginning, which is I realized in listening back to this that I did not get my mic properly configured, and so there's a little echo in my voice, but thankfully Steve sounds fantastic, and he's the one who's doing most of the talking anyway, thankfully. So future interviews won't sound like this. I've already recorded a few others, and it sounds a lot better, but all that to say... Thanks for sticking through this. I'm excited to have you with me in these uh, future conversations. And so welcome to Consortio Day. And here we are with Steve Carter. Okay, because I, I was thinking about like, you know, John, where have you been? Like you, 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 you <laughs> fell off the planet with Sermon Smith. It's like what we all used to listen to. And, you know, so just like, just almost like, I'm so excited about that you're doing this because it's da 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 So, yeah, I mean, I butter you up. I actually did a... There, there's a podcast called The Expositors Collective. Yeah, which yeah. Is, are you familiar with that? So I I've not listened to it. They started following Crafting Character and following me on Instagram. So that's how I found out. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a guy who he was inspired to do it. He's a Calvary chapel pastor in Ireland, but he's from Southern California, of course. Oh, wow. Um, but so he's been doing that, but he's got like 150 or 200 under his belt. And he still considers like himself to be like the ugly stepchild of Sermon Smith. Awesome. <laughs> like, no, you've, but anyway, I was on his podcast in May, I guess. I mean, we recorded it earlier this year. And so I did like come out a little bit there. <laughs> and yeah, said, I do have a new podcast in the works. It's coming soon. So cool. I explained a little bit of the story of where I've been. So and, and then what's the name of this? Do you have a name yet? Right now, the working name, which I still feel, I feel good about, but I'm a, I have a little bit of pause about it. The, the name is Consortio Day, okay, which is Latin for, or at least it's bastard Latin because I don't know Latin, but it's it's partners with God is awesome. what it's about. So I like it. Other than I don't want like I. I like that there's a little bit of mystery to it, but I also go back and forth on, do I want to have to explain it every time or do I want to stick with that? So every, but everything else, when you're talking about soul level work, everything feels so trite. For sure. Totally. totally. You know what I mean? Like totally. streams of living water is when you're sitting by a stream of living water, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. But when you yeah. see a picture of it or you hear the phrase, unfortunately it feels so trite. So yeah. Yeah. And I, I see a lot of even spiritual directors' website names. It's just, you know, yeah. being still or whatever, which is beautiful, but it, it feels trite. So I'm trying to avoid that, but I'm trying to also be, yeah, I, I think I'll stick with that. Yeah, that's great. I like it. I like it. I love that. I mean, I think it's kind of a cool idea when you can, you know, you say it and then are able to explain it. Like, I mean, I do that every podcast with craft and character and craft preaching, 
but ensuring that your character leads the way. You know, Consortia Day, like, it's about how we can partner well with God. Like, I think there's just, I think you could get away with that, and it's like, you can. and it's yeah. beautiful, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, but I won't say it in this interview. Um, I might do a pre-record lead-in when I actually do it. Yeah. So, now that we've recorded all this stuff that I have to cut out. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so here we are. I am with my longtime friend, Steve Carter, who I don't actually get to see enough, even though we live across town, but there's been this COVID thing and things like that. Steve, thank you for being my first guest today. Man, this is uh, this is an honor. I mean, I feel like a number of years ago, maybe 2013, if I remember right, uh, you were you were about to launch Sermon Smith. That was and 2013, I, yeah. And I, I got the privilege to be one of your first guests on that, and I remember being up trying to figure out podcast gear. I had no idea how to do it. You had like sent me like a little set of stuff to do. And, um, but man, like I've, I've missed you because I feel like in the podcast world, you, you were one of the first for me that I would tune in regularly because of your curiosity, the questions, the depth. Um, I'd often say that, uh, your, your blogs, and your podcasts in like the the late 2000s and 2013 with the podcast. I mean, they were like, just, uh, they refreshed my soul. Um, You're someone I just deeply love and respect. So thanks for having me on, man. I'm really excited about this. Well, I appreciate that. That, That's kind of you. Um, Yeah, Podcasting when you interview pastors is pretty easy because they're used to talking. So (laughs) it's it's easy to be curious because you can just toss out questions. But I, but I really do appreciate. I, I, that was 2013. You've done your fair share of podcasting since then. So I guess we broke you in. Was that like the first time you'd been on a podcast? I think so. To be honest, I didn't. I didn't really. I mean, I didn't really understand it. You know what I mean? And I was like, okay, John Chandler's doing it should probably should probably lean in you know so um but yeah that i think i actually think that was my first podcast ever that i had done well here we are you've done quite a few now (laughs) so so let's yeah i mean let's jump into it so the you know the heart of the conversation that we're having is what for people who are in roles of spiritual leadership like how do you how do you have your own spiritual rhythms you know how how do you if, if your role is to help other people connect with god help other people partner with God. What does it look like for you to stay connected to live as a partner of God? So that's what we'll, we'll talk about today is your own rhythms. But first, I mean, let's talk a little bit about what is your context, maybe a little bit of your history, but tell us your context of how you live and how you function as a spiritual leader. What, where does that play out for you? Yeah. So for the last 20 years, I've been doing ministry, um, grew up in Southern California. I had a great mentor named Hal Schrader. Um, you knew him. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, he passed away a little over five years ago in a motorcycle accident, but he was, um, just a deep, um, probably the smartest guy I've ever been around, um, quirky bird. And he just taught me about mission and the kingdom. Um, and from there I went to Mars Hill out in Grand Rapids um, with Rob Bell and had the chance to kind of uh, intern, live in his basement for a year and just got to see that place explode. Um, But I I, I often talk about how I learned a compelling why from my time at Mars Hill. Uh, From there, I went to Rock Harbor and I was kind of introduced to the Holy Spirit. Um, I think I grew Hmm. up believing that the Trinity was Father, Son, Holy Bible. Um, But I I felt like from uh, Rock Harbor really discovered uh, the spirit of God and um, and just the importance of that in my own faith and personal faith journey. Um, but I, I, really, I realized like at Rock Harbor, I learned a compelling how, um, just how things, how you could like open yourself up to the presence of God, the spirit of God, how you were aware. And then from there, um, I was given an amazing opportunity to go to Willow Creek. And I, you know, for five, six years was kind of in the succession run. And obviously allegations came out about uh, my mentor and the founder. um, And as they just became blaringly true, um, and they're just the ways that the church was choosing to handle it, I I just couldn't do it. And I think there, there was this inner turmoil, even within my soul of, I love these people. I love this town. I love this church, I love this congregation, and I can't play with people's trust. 
And that cognitive dissonance within me just uh, basically had me step out. And I lived a few minutes from the church and I was a, I'm a three on the Enneagram, high achiever. Um, And I just felt like God woke me up in the middle of the night. And I just had this sense where really impressed upon, I just felt like the spirit said, go to the desert and wait for instructions. Now, I didn't think it was literal. Um, I just thought it was metaphorical <laughs> in the sense, yeah, <laughs> metaphorical in the sense of this is like where God takes people. Um, because, and as I started to get my journal out and process, I wrote down these words, uh, you can't achieve your way out of this. You can only grieve your way through this. And I had muscles, John, to achieve. I didn't have muscles to actually get connected to my sadness and my grief. And the next morning I told Sarah, my wife, as we were making her coffee and um, processing through just what I had heard and journaled, and she just teared up and she said, man, I, I've been sensing the same thing. I just want to go home. And she's yeah. from Arizona. And so yeah. Yeah. Uh, we moved here and I have been reading as much as I can about the desert mothers and fathers. I've been yeah. hiking. I have been teaching at uh, various churches around the country. Um, I lead something called craft and character, helping people like kind of learn about the craft of communication, but ensuring that the character leads the way. And then I Which just, is uh, beyond a worthy successor to Sermon Smith. I might uh, add, I pointed I, hey, people t- your way who said, what happened to Sermon Smith? Uh, go listen to this. <laughs> I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you what though. Like when Sermon Smith stopped, I was like, there was a void. There was a literal void. And I was like, man, what am I going to do? And I just remember like going, John, I like, we need this, like, you know? And so, um, and then I just released a book last last month called uh, The Thing Beneath the Thing. So that dropped in August, which I'm super excited about. So so I think my context has been typically in a local setting um, where I've learned a why, a how. I would say at Willow, I saw what is possible from the local church when you have yeah. resources, when there's vision. And now I'm just trying to take all that I've learned um, and just in this desert season – really try to heal from the pain of 2018 um really focus on like my family and just making sure like there was really traumatic and all that went down and then also create beautiful things and so that's kind of been like the triad that we've been really focused on in this desert season yeah yeah um i I mean in, in some ways i'm in the same place there's something about the desert that I resisted coming back to the desert. You know, I was living yeah. in flourishing Austin, Texas, where like the whole city's a three. I'm a five, but the city's a three. Yes. <laughs> and yes. Um, yeah, but there, there is something about, and it took me a while to kind of re-embrace the beauty of that. I just read not too long ago, The Solace of Fierce Landscapes by Belvin yes. Lane. Are you familiar with that one? Yes. Yes. Uh, it just talks yes. about deserts and mountains and the how the um, harshness of the landscape pushes you, calls you to engage with your need for God. So yeah, there's a, there's a beauty to the ruggedness. Well, I think, I think you're so right. And you know, desert comes from that word deserted. And so it's the deserted place. And so where you feel (laughs) profoundly forsaken, you feel profoundly alone. You, you, you are, you are like alone with your own ego your own unmet expectations, your own personal premeditated resentments, you know what I mean? All of this stuff that like, and to wrestle with the reality that, oh, you, you aren't actually alone. God is actually with you in the desert, in the hiking, um, in the stillness. That has been something um, I needed in my soul to actually learn that yeah. growing up in massive, like, you know, suburban areas or city centers, like, I just, I didn't have, and this, I, I really, I really believe that we are desert people. Most of us avoid the desert, but the more that we can lean into it, it will prepare us for what God has in store for us. Yeah. I mean, we certainly need, we certainly all need a season in the desert or yeah. if not multiple seasons. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, if the apostle Paul did, we yeah. probably do too. Yeah, totally, <laughs> or, totally. or if Jesus did. Yes. <laughs> and totally. he only needed 40 days. So yeah. you know, we probably need a lot more. <laughs> so, uh, you know, one of the, one of the questions I like to ask, because one of the dynamics of being a spiritual leader is knowing the right level of vulnerability and distance with the people that you lead. You know, you can be over vulnerable, but you, but you can also be too distant, but you're in a unique situation and it, 
and I, you know, I'll say this because I know you and love you and also think this is not true of you. Um, but you're in a unique situation where you don't necessarily have, you know, direct day-to-day contact with people you're leading. I know you, you know, repetitively teach at several churches and have connection there. So well, one of the things I appreciate you and about you and admire about you is, and maybe this is the desert doing the work, but I, I think there's a really genuine humility that, that I see in you. And when you are, when you are leading from a distance, you know, when you're just flying in to speak or something like that, I think it's really easy to not have that humility. It's really easy to be, I'm a special guest here, you know, in all that you do. So how are you able to maintain or what's the work that you have to do to maintain that humility and not get too full of yourself with, I'm a big podcaster and a big book author and a big special guest speaker. Yeah. That, I mean, nobody drifts towards humility. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fight to do that. I mean, um, and I, I think that, you know, um, early on, I, I realized that even when I was at Mars Hill, um, I, I, I would, I was attracted to the stage hmm. and almost in an unhealthy way. And I, I, I could see myself even, um, just gravitating or knowing how to have this conversation or I knew how to, so it like, I just knew how to get to the stage. I knew how to get opportunities. And I realized, um, you know, how young I was, um, my, my potential and my gifting far outpaced my character. And it wasn't until like going to, you know, a counselor and like spiritual director that just realized, um, Hey, there, there's, there's things that you must put into play and, and add to your life. Um, or this isn't going to go well. Hmm, And so I almost, I've had to learn, um, the beauty of consent, like, like a sense of, I have to, this is like, this is my limitations. Um, this is, this is like what I have to understand about myself. So I started when I started going to like these, you know, Christian youth conferences to teach and Christ in youth. And, um, I just realized like, I need to, I need to tear down with the team. And so I would stay and I would just tear down the chairs. Um, and people were almost shocked by that. Mm-hmm. And I literally yeah. was like, they're like, Hey, thanks so much. You don't have to do this. You know? And I'm like, no, no, I have to do this. Like I have, because everything in the evangelical machine, like promotes success with books, promotes success with size yeah, of congregation, yeah. promotes success with how much you're gone it has nothing to do with character has all to do with achievement. And so I had to start to really orient my life with what are the places that are going to actually develop humility, develop gratitude, develop almost self-control. Um, and, and again, con- consent to, I know myself, I know what's in me. I know my natural drive to be at this place or I know my love for experience or my love for people that I can bypass and blow through my own internal kind of um, dashboard saying, you need Sabbath, you need Sabbath, you need Sabbath. So part of all of this became the essential need for, hey, what are going to be some rhythms? Um, and, And again, I think it's been almost acquiring along the way. And certain seasons have been, wow, this is really, really important. And so, you know, um, the few times I was able to hang out with Dallas Willard mm-hmm. and I really learned about them, you know, his vision intention means, yeah. um, that became so, so critical for me. And really, if I was going to renovate my heart um, and renovate my life to be and make more room for Christ and the spirit and God's love, um, not success and not achievement and not image management or not just protecting my reputation, but actually allow Christ to do what Christ wants to do. Um, it was going to take effort. 
Um, and so that's, that's kind of the pieces that I have to fight for. Um, and it's not easy. My natural bent isn't towards that. Yeah. And it, it, and it's not like just because you have the rhythms, it's not like you just have all this momentum going that way, right? Like it's continuing work, Oh, but, it does, totally. but, but you do get some momentum. Do you think, well, or do you think you just have to do that? Those, those rhythms and those practices all the time. Yeah, so Dallas, Dallas, I remember this one time in San Diego, a uh, time with him, and he was talking about the importance of will. And he said that, you know, you have this impulsive will where you just do what you want to do. Then you have a reflective will. And the reflective will is where you reflect and ponder, will this decision help me live out my vision? So a vision was, you know, for me right now, my vision is a life anchored in Jesus is one that has nothing to prove, nothing to lose, and nothing to hide. So now my intention is, are the choices I'm making actually trying to prove or trying to hide or living from a place of scarcity, or am I actually embodying my vision for the season? Now, what, what Dallas would say is underneath the impulsive will, and I thought this was so moving, profoundly moving for me. I think I was 24 at the time. Impulsive will and reflective will was something that he called the embodied will. And this was like the muscle memory. So for instance, Mm -hmm. if I, you know, I, anytime I'm stressed, run to Cold Stone or run to Amazon and buy a book or buy something, what I'm building is muscle memory. Muscle memory is this is how I react or reenact my pain and my wounds and my trauma. And this is, it's almost like there's a momentum there. But what Dallas taught me was when you actually start to have that reflective will, that has muscle memory too. So that when I start to actually make choices and say, no, 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 Steve, you're reaching. You're trying to prove yourself right now. And let's step back. You don't need to. And when I stop, I stop playing that that game. That actually has muscle memory or your language momentum. That mm. I'm almost becoming shaped and formed into this new creation. Yeah. And so I, I mean, we're already off track with my questions. We'll we'll refer back to some of them, but because <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about this, you know, this is um, this is baseball season, and yeah. you just posted. You've already been gracious enough to say you released a book last month, but we're recording this before you've released the book. <laughs> but it, it will be a while till it comes out. But just for context, because it's deep in baseball season, and about a week ago you posted on Instagram about baseball for you, like going to a game at Wrigley is a healthy escape. And I'm wearing my Angels hat right now because I love baseball. But I think one of the things that you know I'm really aware of is as much I I consider baseball to be like a mini Sabbath that I can just step away. And it is like a healthy thing, but I also know that there's times where, well, going to a game at Wrigley might be this beautiful moment of escape and celebration. I also know that there's evenings where I just want to escape into my office and turn on a baseball game and disconnect um, in a way that might not be as healthy. Uh, So I wonder what, what does it look like for you? Even as you reflect on, making choices like that, you know, because sometimes buying a book from Amazon might be just what you need to do. And sometimes buying a book from Amazon might be. So I wonder how do you determine and how do you reflect and gauge some of those practices, whether they're helpful for you or whether they're not? Yeah, that's so good. I mean, this is this is where I think our culture right now is lacking is the the art of discernment sifting and sorting through our intentions and our motivations, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Even as you mentioned Wrigley, um, I got really, really teary, like started to tear up a little bit because, um, you know, later today we're putting um, our, uh, our dog down and it sounds so, it sounds so dumb. Like when I'm saying this, but like, I'll tell you what, like um, this, this cockapoo, <laughs> this um, was a therapy dog that I didn't know I needed. Huh. When we yeah. got when we got him in 2013 from a from a rescue you know mission or whatever they called, and um, this dog when everything went down at Willow never left my side. 
Hmm. And, you know, and I, I just, uh, I woke up today and I knew I was going to put this dog down who in so many ways is like, uh, a piece of my grieving. Um, and I just, I just said, no unhealthy escapes today, Steve, no unhealthy escapes. Cause this, this would be the day like, and it, and it sounds so silly because sometimes I don't know how to be tender with my sadness. And so I can drift into isolation. I can drift into, um, um, culturally acceptable escapes and I can, I can drift into culturally unacceptable escapes. And so what I have to constantly wrestle with is, um, why am I doing this? Am I running from something? Am I avoiding something? Am I trying to be distracted from something? Those are the questions. And there are, there are days where, um, I can use sports as an unhealthy escape. Um, but oftentimes, uh, sports for me, uh, has been, uh, a mini Sabbath, a place of joy and delight. Um, and so I think it's, it's really trying, you know, to get to, you know, what I, what I refer to as the thing beneath the thing, like what, what's the real intent? What's the real motive? Why am I doing this? And, and so I, I typically use that language. Is this an unhealthy escape? Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and be kind with myself. It's more curiosity. Like, why, why are you wanting to run to this? Okay. Cause I'm sad or, you know, I'm sad that biscuits dying. It sounds so silly saying this, but like, um, okay. Is there, is there another way to be tender with your sadness? Hmm. Is there another way to actually not to honor biscuit? Well, this sounds so silly as I'm saying this, but like, is there, <laughs> not, is there a way to, to, to actually like to, to, to honor this and honor, you know, yourself and honor Christ well with this sadness. Hmm. And, and so I just, I have to almost slow it down, um, for myself. And, and oftentimes I'll go like, okay, we, we did, we did enough work for today. Let's go watch the U S men's national team. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, play soccer. Let's, let's, let's go sit by the fire with Sarah, my wife, or let's, let's go jump in the pool with the kids. Like, um, but I, I, I just want to make sure that I'm not trying to be distracted. A mutual friend of ours, JJ Peterson, yeah. who was, uh, he, you know, he had Dallas Willard come to speak at, uh, you know, our alma mater. And JJ asked him after, he said, hey, for 30 years, you've been teaching at USC. Um, what's different about the freshmen that come into your, your classroom today than the freshmen that came in 30 years ago? And he's like, that's the easiest question. The freshmen that come in today, they're all distracted and they miss the kingdom of God and the invitation that's right before them. And I yeah. think I'm so susceptible to that. And when yeah. I'm distracted, 99.9% of the time, I'm going to choose an unhealthy escape. Yeah. And it's really easy to be distracted. I mean, yeah. there's just always something interesting out there. Yeah. <laughs> More than ever. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So um, thanks for that. I mean, that's. It's really, I mean, I guess it's, you know, really what you're talking about, not a little book plug here, but that's really what you're saying with the thing behind the thing is like, what, what's driving me toward this right now? Like what's pushing me, um, or what am I, maybe even the question is not what's pushing me, but what am I running away from, you know, as I'm wanting to go here? Yeah. Well, John, think about it like this. Like my wife and I, we say this all the time. You do what you want to do, but the question is, why did I want that? So like in real talk, you know, there's, there's times where I will create distance with my wife so that I can go do what I wanted to do, which was buy a pair of sneakers. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so, so you do what you want to do, but why did you, why did you do that? What, what was the end game there? What was, what were, what, what was the reasoning for this behavior? And so that's just some of those questions that, beginning to 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 really lean into so that i'm making more healthy more whole uh more holy decisions and choices yeah so i mean let's talk about because you you do have to form and mold both your heart and your your attention um to even be aware that you need to ask those questions so let's talk a little bit about what are your what are your own rhythms 
you know, in, in this season, I'm sure they've changed. You're in the desert now, so I'm sure they're different than they were in urban Chicago. But what, what are your current um, personal rhythms that you try to maintain to make sure that you're in a an attentive and in a place of an awareness? Yeah. So I do um, I do a, a prayer uh, pilgrimage. I, I call it um, most days. Some days it's with the journal um, that I write. A lot of times when it's uh, living in Arizona, it's beautiful, and I just go for a walk. And um, But I typically start with like uh, lighting a candle, and I read the, the welcome prayer um, by Father Thomas Keating and Mary Morjarowski. I might have butchered her last name. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I pulled it up just because I think these words are so beautiful. But it just yeah. simply says, welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it's for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire for affection, esteem, approval, and pleasure. I let go of my desire for survival and security. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. And I open to the love and presence of God and God's action within. Amen. And so I find myself starting my days with that. And then I will just kind of take those three words that God asked the, the woman and the man in the garden, where are you? And I just, I just write about that. Where am I this morning? And I, 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 feel, I feel frustrated. And I'm not, I'm not like writing for a sermon. I'm not writing for a chapter. I'm not writing for a tweet. I'm not writing anything to share with anybody else it's literally the governor is off and i'm writing oh man i'm just i feel frustrated i didn't sleep well enough like i felt like i had expectations yeah. for yesterday they didn't go well da, 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 da. i just and it's usually in julia cameron language like free write yeah. uh three yeah. pages of three write free writing and sometimes i just do it walking and i'm just like saying it out loud as i'm hiking um from there i i then take a practice that i learned from a pastor in Florida named Tyler Burns, brilliant guy, brilliant thinker. Uh, but he just says he starts his day by writing, I am and I am not. And I just like, hey, who, who am I? And I just write down some some thoughts and who I'm not. Um, I, this, is, this isn't going to define me. And, mm-hmm. and I, I've got a, I got a list of too many I am nots that I've, I've carried as responsible. And I just almost, I almost in my prayer practice need to shed that and grab hold of who I truly am. And then based on my time at Mars Hill, really that new Exodus theology, I kind of created this prayer of examine. And so I just say in the last 24 hours, um, where did I feel tempted or oppressed? And that kind of symbolized Egypt. I write about that, think about that. Mm-hmm. Then I moved to Sinai, the last 24 hours, where did God meet me? Was it through a verse, through a song, through creation, through a friend? Like where, where did I feel God meet me? And then to Jerusalem, which is a little bit like Spider-Man theology, you know, in the last 24 hours, where was I responsible or irresponsible with the unique gifts, talents that God has entrusted to me? I write or, or process that. And then obviously the Hebrew people were irresponsible, so God moves them to Babylon. <clears throat> and so I shift it from not looking at yesterday, but looking at t- tomorrow. In the next 24 hours, um, what's my next best right step? Um, yeah. And sometimes it's to call someone and, and you know, uh, say they're sorry. Um you know, there was a moment, John, like a number of years ago after doing this exercise, I had to call you and, and apologize because um, I felt like I didn't, I didn't follow through with something with you in oh. the, in the accurate time frame, And and that came out of my practice. Hmm. And then obviously the cross is in the center and I, I put a circle at the bottom of the cross and just say, if I'm going to carry this well today, what do I need to let go of? And then um, at the end of it, if this, you know, the last part of it is the spirit of the Lord is there's freedom. Um, is there like an anthem, which brings me back to my vim, the vision intention means that I'm going to live and this out. And so I write down either a, an anthem or maybe a verse, or maybe it's that, that vision from, you know, life anchored in Jesus is one that has nothing to prove, nothing to lose and nothing to hide. So let's make choices based on that. And Hey, there's going to, you've welcomed all this stuff in. There's going to be opportunities to, to not hide, to show up and be honest and human. It's going to be moments where you can be scared or, be competitive or, or be driven by comparison or, or, you know, you can literally go, I got nothing to lose in the kingdom of God. And there's going to be moments where you're going to reach and want to prove 
Um, what if you could trust who you actually are? And I just kind of have that moment, pray that out and then go through my day. And that, that really has been a, a real centering piece for me, a real grounding piece. And it's just been a beautiful moment for me just to kind of see my day, um, and kind of almost consecrate the day, um, to, to be the kind of man, the kind of leader, pastor, um, human disciple that I want to be. And is this, I mean, well, first of all, I mean, that's beautiful. I love the intentionality of it. I love the attentiveness of it. I mean, for so many of us, you know, who grew up in certain, um, versions of Christianity that just talked about quiet time being this box to check every day. Like this is like, this is not, this is not an external practice. You know, you're doing, this is not a box to check. It's a soul practice. And I love that. And I love the intentionality of it. How, um, how often are you able to do that? Cause that's, that's a chunk of work every day. Is that an everyday practice? Like do you make sure you get it worked in when you're traveling? What does that look yeah. like? I mean, I, the, the beauty is I can do it anywhere. So there, there are times I have early morning flights and I'm sitting and I just have headphones on and I'm literally just, you know, playing some ambient music behind me and I'm, I'm just walking through it, uh, you know, as I'm leaving Sky Harbor. Um, you know, it's a, it's a harder thing to do right now when you wake up at 6 a.m. and it's already 103 degrees. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hiking. To <laughs> the, the desert, degree, man, the desert. Like, yeah, the desert. But, I, but there are, you know, come October, every day I'm here, I'm hiking. In yeah. that and I, I'm doing that typically well I I do better when I have movement I, I feel like I'm more connected to my body I'm really able to I feel like incarnate more of the ideas of my heart um, and so that's that's really really important um, but I probably would say I'm doing it four to five times a week um, I'm I, you know there are some weeks I do it seven and there's some days I I you know do it four I, I typically am doing it at least four somewhere between five, uh, four and five times a times a week. I have one other small practice that I do, uh, typically Sunday nights. Um, and I, it's just kind of the above all else, guard your heart, you know, for everything flows from it, from Proverbs. But the, the way to do that would be almost to play it back. Is there, you know, is there a moment last week I didn't guard my heart and then play it out almost like reimagine myself in that situation again, Mm -hmm. um, with Christ beside me. And how would I do it differently? And then play it smart. If that's literally going to be refueling my heart, what I need to do this week to make sure that my heart doesn't run on empty. And then I got to play it honest. And just that commitment to, I'm not going to just answer, I'm doing good. I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm going to show up with emotional honesty because I know that there's emotion to my feelings. And if I'm not aware of it, it's going to lead me uh, into places and unhealthy escapes that I'm prone to go. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's good too. I mean, is that, again, is that, I mean, is it just understood with Sarah and your family that dad has to take some time on Sunday night? Is it late Sunday night? Like how do you protect that? Cause for so many of us, even having a space like that protected can be a tricky thing. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's definitely, it's, it's kind of the language we use. And, you know, we had a friend in Grand Rapids who was going out with um, uh, her husband and had the babysitter come over and her little boy was like, mom, I don't want you to go. And she just like got down on her knee and said, do you want, do you want mom to be a great mom? And, and like, it's the son was like, yeah. It's like, okay, well mom needs time with, with dad. And I just remember just like watching that and just kind of going, gosh, isn't that so true? Like if I want to be a good human, I need time with dad. It's like if, if if I want to be a great father, I need time with dad. If I if I need if I want to be a great husband, I need time with with dad. And so deep down, um, we just you know we 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 have some real good family traditions on Sunday nights, and then we kind of we kind of break for for some pieces. Um, and so you know sometimes it's my son will kind of finish up Sunday night with a little gaming, or you know my daughter will connect with someone. Sarah typically will read, just almost like this like wind down time and preparation for bed. And that's just kind of like where I'll, I'll typically dive in and have that. It doesn't take me very long, um, but it, you know, in 15 minutes, I feel like I can, I can, I can look at a lot uh, from the past week. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have these other questions that I've outlined for you, and I feel like, I feel like your practice and even that what you've described is so 
robust and well-rounded that you've answered questions I would ask, like, how do you know when you're not doing well? Um, what does it look like for you to love God in the areas of heart, soul, mind, and strength? But I, I, I do want to go back to that one a little bit. I don't think when Jesus said, love Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, I don't think that Jesus was defining four specific categories to break out. You know, like it was, I think he was saying, well, I mean, obviously he's referring to ancient scriptures before him, but uh, but I do think it's this idea of, you know, love God with your full self, you know, with all that you have. And so I like to think through those categories, you know, in my own practice, like, how am I caring for my heart? How am I caring for my soul? How am I caring for my mind? How am I caring for my strength, my body? And I wonder, like, even as it, it feels like your practice, even the fact that you do some of this while walking, but how would you describe um, what this looks like for you to, sorry, I'm distracted because somebody just literally walked by my front door and I have no idea why. <laughs> I'm at the front of the house, so I'm afraid my doorbell's about to ring. Um, and we will totally not cut this out because it's real life. But I love um, what does, uh, how, how do you gauge, like, do you feel like you're pretty good about engaging all four of those areas? Do you feel like you have to be more attentive to some of those areas than others? What does that look like? I, I, I think I have to, to live with more intentionality. Um, I think sometimes I can um, be really, really moved by my mind. I love learning. I love cur- being curious. I love just, uh, you know, studying a new word or a new idea. Um, I think I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. So it's, it's easy for me to, to realize like, hey, where am, what am I feeling? It's not always um, easy for me in stress to access. I'm, I, I sometimes can like put my head down and just go. Um, it's not easy for me to access my sadness. Um, I think it's easy for me to access passion, being fired up, uh, being excited and inspired. Um, so I think the, the practices for me have been um, really helpful for me um, to kind of broaden and widen. Um, I think too, as an, you know, an athlete, um, I, I use sports to channel my anger, um, to Mm -hmm. channel my frustration. Um, you know, Steve Kerr, uh, the coach of the Golden State Warriors, he was interviewed once like, Hey, who are the two most competitive people? And he's like, Oh, that's easy. Jordan and Steph Curry. He said, but what's, what's wild is what motivates and drives both of them is different. Jordan was driven by anger. And Steph is driven by joy. And I just thought that was such a profound, wow. profound difference. Because I think, you know, for us that are 80s, 90s kids, we were, we were driven by Jordan and we were taught how to use our bodies to channel our frustration. So hit something, run, like push yourself. And now you're seeing like Steph who's just got this joy to him. Yeah. And so I think for me to actually get into my body to embody something, um, to get the fruit of the spirit to literally be embodied within me um, has has forced me to almost release some of the com- competition, the comparison, the trying to win, the trying to achieve, and just to actually feel the delight and privilege of I get to hike, I get to run, I man, I I I, I get to live here. Um, and, and what, what can actually be birthed in that and be more connected to the pain I feel in my shoulders or the way that I'm carrying this stress or, um, or just being aware of what's happening. So I think that space, uh, with the body has been really, really helpful for me and, and something I didn't learn probably until like the last few years. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny because I was just prepping, um, thinking about this last question, which you might've just answered, but maybe you can riff. Okay. As we work towards winding down here, but, um, cause it's been so good, but you were in, in a lot of ways, really, you can call it blessed. You can call it hashtag blessed or lucky. Um, but you had some great opportunities in some healthy places. And I'm sure there was unhealth in them too, but to, you know, just growing up with Hal, who, like you mentioned, I knew and I love, and um, 
you know, the mentor he was to you, but being able to spend time um, at Mars Hill, uh, I know Rock Harbor, um, you know, I, I, I remember spending some time with you when you were at Rock Harbor and some of the team that you were part of there. And I could just see that, you know, there was a lot of, um, it, it just felt like there was a healthy dynamic. So, so you've, you've had some great formative experiences, even in your youth. But I wonder, um, I wonder, even as you look back at all those things, what's something that you've learned along the way as you serve as a spiritual leader that you wish you would have known about yourself, really? It's probably a question about yourself, but maybe it's something else. But what's something you wish you would have known from the start that would have saved you some pain or some difficulty or just made you a better leader of others? That's, that's beautiful. I mean, I, I, I think this is not, um, this is not like something that I said and I kind of crafted and came up with. Um, but you know, I just got done with, a, I think a six day, five day intensive, um, just, uh, counseling intensive. Hmm. Um, and you know, you, you're never too old to do your work. You know, you're never too, um, yeah, you never, you never arrive, you know, no. there's always so much more to, to learn and discover. I, I love, I think it's Ruth Bell Graham, you know, her tombstone has her date of birth and, uh, the date she passed. And then on the tombstone it says, you know, construction completed. Thanks for your patience. Mm-hmm. And I just think that, um, what my counselor has taught me is um, whenever you react, you are reenacting the past. Hmm. And I, I've reenacted. I've reenacted the past. Um, and there's a familiar homeostasis. There's a f- familiar internal temperature that sometimes I know how to dance around the chaos and I know how to deal with narcissism. And I know how to handle this or that. Um, but I don't have to reenact the past. Um, I can, I can, I can live a a better story. And next thing my counselor just would say is whenever you are, and it's a a kind of a same way of saying what I just said, but whenever you are hysterical, it's historical. And so be aware of that. Whenever you see a, a, a range of emotion, that's like anger or sadness or frustration or suspicion or lack of trust it's historical there's there's some pain there's some wound there's a and i don't think i knew that i just right. knew how to shut it down and get to work and so if i could go back and tell my 18 year old or 21 year old or 25 year old self is you know to quote dallas grace is a, is never opposed or grace is opposed to earning but it's never opposed to effort and to know yourself and to know why you do what you do, you have to do your work. And that requires effort. Nobody drifts towards holiness. Nobody drifts towards having their character lead the way. It takes effort, but it really takes you knowing yourself and showing up in an honest and human way with people that you've given permission to, to call out, to remind, to build up and call up, um, to, to something better. And so that's, that's a long way of saying it. I'm a pastor, like you said, that I can go for days, but that's, that's the, that's the stuff that I wish I knew way back then. And yeah, I appreciate the grace that you offer yourself too. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 50 and I just had a experience between counseling and, uh, other conversations, you know, I just had an experience two days ago where I feel like I had a light bulb come on, um, of something like I've probably just evaded understanding or knowing about myself for a long, long time, you know, and it's, you know, it's illuminating and I have a lot of rest and peace about it, but all that to say, you know, there is work to be done for all of us, whether we're 20 or whether we're 50 or Probably whether we're 70, I can't speak to that one. But yes. um, but at the same time, you know, even as you're looking back and you see that, you know, there's I, I appreciate the way that you said what you just said and still offered a lot of grace toward yourself 
of wishing you knew those things, but not regretting that you didn't know those things because it's part of this journey. Yeah. Somebody, somebody asked me once, you know, Steve, how do you know you'll be, you're a good parent? And I didn't know how to answer. So it just said the first thing that came to my mind. And I was like, I don't, I think the only reason I know I'll be a good parent is if my, my kids go to counseling for different reasons than I go <laughs> because <laughs> then I know I just haven't passed down the same yeah. stuff that was given to me, but I'm going to pass something down to them. And so, uh, I think that gives me a lot of empathy for myself, kindness for myself, but also empathy for uh, what came before me in the process. Yeah. Well, why don't you take a minute um, to talk about your book? One, one of my hopes to do this podcast is not just to interview all the people who just have a book coming out. And yet here, here I am with my first interview talking to somebody who's got a book coming out. But that's not why I reached out to you. I reached out to you because I love you and I respect you deeply. But, um, yeah, I, I also, you know, from what I've seen and know of your book, I think it's going to be a beautiful thing. So take a, just take a couple minutes to talk about that because I genuinely hope people will read it and engage with it. Well, thank you. I mean, I think, honestly, a lot of the stuff that I'm saying is, yeah. is, is about the book. And it's, yeah. just, it's just trying to help people understand, you know, why do, why, why do we do what we do? You know, and I've just come to realize um, I get triggered and those trigger points are decades old um, of pain points. And God in his infinite kindness um, didn't just come to save me and rescue me into heaven, but came to, to help me become the most whole, holy and spiritually healthy version. Um, and so I just know if I'm not aware of the real reason why I'm triggered, um, all of that energy in my body is going to send me to hide out and escape the pain or to insecurity, which I'm going to just create a false story about myself and power down or even sometimes power up because we've seen that and that's all insecurity or create yeah. a narrative. And that's creating a false story about another person or another group of people. We see that every day on Twitter and Facebook yeah. and, and yeah. on our news or in West Wesleyan language, uh, John Wesley would talk about three stages of grace. And he talked about one is the sanctifying grace and it's that ongoing process and this is what you're doing. You know what I mean? It's when we partner with God, like we have this invitation to enter into um, a the kind of grace that can really make us whole and holy. And so um, the thing beneath the thing is just my attempt to help people understand a little bit more why they do what they do and what God and his beautiful, infinite grace can do about it. Yeah. Thank you. Steve, uh, what a gift. This is a really good. We, we did this. Um, I usually try to not schedule anything before 10 a.m. most days, but this was this was a good because I have my own, you know, I want to be human and engage with others well after some of my own alone time and practices. But this is a good start to my day. So it's also a good start to a podcast. Thank you so much. for joining. Thank you, my friend. Keep doing great work. Your uh, your voice is just so important. And I'm really excited. I, I, I Just if I could say one thing and you'll probably edit this out, but, um, (laughs) you know, I just think, I think for any pastor who's listening to this, um, John's the kind of guy that you would want to sit down with, um, just by the ways that he creates space, the questions he asks and just the, the ability as a spiritual director, you know, um, I just, I, I don't know. I just think that there's something that you bring and that you can help people really, really discover and see, um, the deeper things and the deeper streams. And so this podcast is going to be a gift, but, um, your life is a gift. So grateful for you, brother. Thank you. Thanks, Steve.